My name is Jared Landreth, and I'm an elder at, here at First Christian Church, and this is my story. Um, so the decision was made during an elders meeting uh, to, to do a series of videos on our leadership. Um, it was something that had been rolling around in my head, and so I made the suggestion, and they said, hey, you can go first. Like, okay, so here I am. I am a general contractor. I don't work at the church, uh, or I'm not employed by the church. I'm here a lot, but I'm not employed by the church. So I grew up um, here in Junction City. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I really couldn't have asked for two more solid parents, and they're, they're out there right now, so hey, hey mom and dad. I grew up learning, um, learning all about uh, what's in scripture and all the stories and all, all of that. Um, I grew up with good, good uh, leaders, I guess leadership in, in my family with my dad and my mom, and, and even just the, the family friends around us were also believers too. So, and I actually started coming to First Christian Church uh, probably like 16, 17 years ago. Um, I was my junior, end of my junior year in high school. I was actually baptized a year before uh, I got married to Lindsay. And I guess what led me to that bat to, to, to choose to be baptized was, um, like I said, not, not just one person, but I guess one memory sticks into my mind the most of, of someone, and it was, it was more of an encouragement. Um, Juliet Bullock used to be used to attend here, and and in my uh, young adult years here, I was I came we had like young adults type classes, and it was more that age group in there. And, and she, man, she just encouraged me. Um, she was very encouraging. She was very um, just uplifting of the choices that I was making, but also just the way that I was I was able to understand scripture and that just her recognizing that in me kind of made me step back and say wait this is like man this is something that I am like I am taking on for my own it's, it's choices that I've made I'm out of my parents house it's, it's a choice that I'm making to come here it's a choice that I'm making to um, to to invest in scripture and to, and to learn and to take this seriously and so um, like I said I hadn't I hadn't been baptized yet and like I said it, I grew up in the church but so that was, my, that was sort of the next natural step and something I wanted to do um, to make that known in front of the church that this is a decision that I'm making. And not only that, but um, finding, finding guys to grow alongside um, that, would, that would not only encourage me, but also challenge me with my sin. But it's, it's invaluable to, to have those people in your life to, to not just encourage you, but to call you out when you need to be called out. And so. Um, just slowly, slowly learning how to um, how to build good habits, but also to um, to, to dive into scripture, to um, to take seriously uh, the things that the Bible says to take seriously, um, to to war against your sin, um, to look out to to look out beyond yourself to how to serve others, and to um, to make it make it uh, I don't know serious endeavor of yours to to spread the gospel and to and to make that the most important part um, of your calling as a Christian. Like I said, I've, I've had I've had so many good people around me that have instilled that in me and have have nurtured that in me um, and it's kind of, I don't know, led me to where I am today. Um, and I, I preached about this before that the, the, the family nature of our congregation um, I've said before that I have just as close of friends as I, I, I don't know. I would view them equally. I guess they are. This is my family. Um, I have just as much emotional connection um, 
and uh, life experience and all of that with some of my, my, my peers, my friends here at First Christian Church um, that I do with my, my, my blood. I, I've developed strong relationships that have, that have formed, my, uh, formed my life. And, and another thing that has, that has, has formed me, um, uh, attending First Christian Church specifically, would be um, the, yeah, the way that we emphasize preaching from the Word. Um, we, we emphasize God's Word no matter what, what it says, and it is, it is the most important thing that comes out of um, any one of our teachers' mouths, uh, be that Ronnie or, or any of our classes or anything that is, that is what we, we hold in high regard, and man, I can't, I can't imagine it being any other way. So over time that we hope to hear from a lot of our leadership in this way, get acquainted. If you know who we are, more than likely you've heard this statement that we exist here as a church, as a congregation to foster the family of God. What he said here, it is purposed in us, set before us, that we want our people to grow we want our people to come into a maturity in Jesus Christ. And, and uh, I think even today the message that, that we're going to get into is, is just really valuable. Uh, as we, We've been in the Old Testament a lot lately over the summer months and, and even here recently. Uh, but now we're going to step into the New Testament as, as Eric had introduced into, the, into 1 Peter. And, and so... Uh, one thing that uh, I want to encourage you as we read through this, that, uh, man, our perspective, our focus is upon growing in that relationship with Christ. So I, I don't know where you are. I, I see many of you, and I, I know many of you are growing in that relationship. You've been stretched uh, along with me over the years. Many of you have been here for a long time. Some of you just a short time. Uh, and and uh, I love seeing people produce fruit that comes with that maturity in Jesus. And, and that, is, that is my greatest thrill in, in being a preacher and uh, coming to know the Word and then the effects God's Word has upon us. And so let's dive into the Scripture this morning. Since this is a, uh, a beginnings in First Peter, I want to tell you a couple of things. Uh, first of all, this actually begins, it's written by Peter, it begins with Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and this is just a side note. When you say an apostle, that's valuable. Someone who claims to be an apostle is valuable. And I believe there are 12. And it's the, it's the, it's the foundation for which the church is built on. I know you might hear of several being identified as apostle, but the ones that, that we value, and, and we're not going to have an apostle within this church because we value the 12 who were established through Jesus. One of the things that these, uh, the claims from these apostles is they saw Jesus alive. Physically, they saw the risen Savior. And so what a foundation for the church to be built upon. We get to listen to Peter. You know, you know who Peter is? Uh, the, the one who is always speaking up. The first one, he probably put his foot in his mouth several times. But here's, here's a man who spent time with Jesus and was transformed through, through uh, Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit and, and had had that great privilege opportunity to establish the church that we're a part of. 
So we're going to listen intently to his words as we go. Now, before we go into this, there's something unique about the way Peter writes. Peter uses terms and expressions that, that as we're reading, it's going to sound like he's writing to the Jews. Uh, even, even in the introduction, it's going to sound like he's writing to the Jews. But as you get into this, and as we get into this, we're going to identify some verses that clearly his intent is to speak to Gentiles. And, and I just want to give you a jump ahead a little bit, 2.10. Actually, uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 10, he, he says this phrase, just to give support to what I just said. He, to those he's writing to, he said, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once, who, who, who would he be speaking to? It can't be the Jews. For, for over thousands, for a few thousand years, the Jews have known that we are the people of God. They knew that they were the people of God. So when Peter says, once you were not a people, it's not speaking to the Jews, it's speaking to the Gentiles, but now you are the people of God. And in the introduction, uh, we're going we're gonna to read here, just as, as we read through this, he is, he's talking, there's a praise to God, and here's what Jesus, or here's what God has done for us, his chosen. Okay, so here, let's read verses 1 through 9 of 1 Peter, and then we'll walk through this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout all the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. There's kind of that introductory you'd read in a lot of Paul's uh, letters as well. Grace and peace to you. Yeah. But, but before that, did you hear the, uh, some of the, the terms in there and the images that, man, this sounds like to the Jews. Elect. Cho even that idea of chosen. To those who are scattered, we know that, that after that period of time where Babylon took Judah away and, and Assyria was uh, dissembled, that, that the Jews were scattered all over. So that idea of the, it's called the diaspora or the scattering, that, that was the Jews. They, they were everywhere. So, it, so even in that terminology, it sounds like Peter is writing to the Jews. But again, this is Peter who was a Jew, who was one of the chosen writing to Gentiles, who now, throughout Peter, is going to be recognized. You are included. You are a part of, you are now the chosen of God. I should stop there, right? Now, let's, let's get into, here, as, as we read the rest of this, it's going to identify what God has done. There's praise given to God. Listen to what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope that through the, that, oh, excuse, hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, 
Though now for a little while you may have, uh, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through, uh, yeah, perishes even, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Again, again, Peter is laying out uh, thanksgiving to God, and the reason he's giving thanks to God, because of what he has given to those he calls his chosen, his elect. And, and as, as I would say, Peter is writing to those who are Gentiles, just like you and I. Now, Overall, what, what uh, Peter reveals is that the chosen of God have an inexpressible joy. L- later on, as you, you read through this, God has done these things, and, and it leaves us with an inexpressible joy in this life today. In this life today. And I, I just want to unpack what God has given to us. Uh, we've been going through some heavy stuff. If you haven't been with us, we really have been gone, going through some things that challenge us in the way we live in. This is what God's given us. You know, how should we live? That's been the challenge. Right now, today, we're just going to say, look at what God has given us. Look and understand this perspective of what God has given. So first of all, God gives his chosen a new birth. God gives his chosen a new birth. That's in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. He has given us new birth. Now, this, this birth is not something that we could do ourselves. This, uh, the term would be called regeneration. It's, it's the renewal. It's the, the new beginnings in our life. And Peter is calling it new birth. In other places, it's called new birth. And it's what God has given us. It's not something we could produce for ourselves. Nor is it something that we deserve. Again. But he is he is given it, made it possible for us to have a new beginning, a new birth. And it's all from the action of God. Matter of fact, action of God, we look back in, in verse 2. There, there's that triune God. You know, each part is mentioned in the act of bringing about this salvation we have. This one God who is known as the Father. You know, in the Father, the foreknowledge of God the Father his plan, his, his purpose, we know it was worked out well, well before because of all the prophecies, even as Jesus came. It was like, oh, here he is. He's identified through all those prophecies. It was laid out and planned through the foreknowledge of the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, who, who now we know his indwelling, his, his place is within us. We are the temple, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Now, now even in that, that idea, Peter is talking and, and thinking Old Testament, here's a term for you, sprinkled in the blood of Jesus. Uh, that, that idea, when, when Israel first came into a covenant relationship with God, uh, all the sacrifices that were laid out and, and the promises were going to be, be uh, spoken. But in the midst of that, the, uh, as the sacrifices, the, 
the blood was gathered together and, and the priests sprinkled, they, 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 they dipped uh, uh, the branches in the blood and they, they sprayed everybody with that, those drops of blood at the beginning of that covenant. So there, there's kind of that perspective of this is what's happened through Jesus. We've been covered in the blood of Jesus. So, so God in his action, in that triune, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has, has come to bring us a new birth in Christ. Now this is not, that idea of new birth is not an Old Testament, uh, Old Testament perspective or teaching. We don't, we won't see this. Look back into the Old Testament. You won't see anything concerning new birth. Uh, Jesus brought it though. In John chapter three, he introduced it to a religious teacher. Remember Nicodemus? And, and he told Nicodemus, uh, those who want to see or behold the kingdom of God, uh, they, they must first be born again. And, and Nicodemus had no clue. I mean, the way he responded, he had no clue what, what Jesus was saying. He said, matter of fact, he was, he was confused. He said, how could someone old climb back into their mother? Did any of the ladies cringe with that? How, how can someone who is old and grown climb back into his mother to be reborn? He was really confused. But Jesus introduced a new idea, a new covenant term of being born again. Now, the, again, the Jews, they were born into, you know, into that covenant relationship. Those of Abraham, they belonged. But, but for Gentiles, we are born again. Matter of fact, not only Gentiles, but also the Jews under this new covenant are born again. Um. We see this new birth connected with baptism. We see this uh, new birth connected with baptism. Matter of fact, when we go through the whole process, we, we say, man, we are accepting and receiving the death of Jesus. And you go down to the water. And then being raised out of the water, it is, it is a, uh, being brought into that new life or a new birth in Jesus Christ. That, that's seen as our beginnings uh, in, in faith. Uh, the, the passage in Titus Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5 says, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. That anytime washing, is, uh, it, it, that perspective is through that, that baptism, rebirth, and renewal of that Holy Spirit within us. You know, the, the, the action that we have is that submission Submission to Jesus, the acceptance of Christ, and then submitting to him in that act of baptism. But, but how do we get supplied with the Holy Spirit? God gives the Holy Spirit. It says to those who receive Christ and through Christ, the cleansing of his blood, he, we then receive that Holy Spirit within us, his indwelling. Matter of fact, we even talked about how serious that is. That indwelling of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential in the fact that with the Holy Spirit, I, that is what identifies you as belonging to God. No spirit, no relationship with God. That Holy Spirit, his presence is so significant. Now, Peter's mentioning in, in verse 3 about this new birth, that, that's not his only focus. That the idea that, you know, he mentions this new birth because it's through this new, new birth that we have this living hope. The song that we sang, 
Eric chose so, so excellent and in preparation for this. But, but through the, the new birth that we've received, what God has created for us, we have a living hope that, that, that uh, has, has our every day. That's, that's part of, uh, of when we wake up in the morning, it is like something continuous within us. What we have received in Jesus Christ. We have that living hope. We are his chosen uh, and it is established, that living hope is established upon Jesus Christ, upon his resurrection. You see, Jesus, in his resurrection, we, we'd say on Easter, we, guess what, we could say it today, he lives. He lives. And, and when we say our living hope, our hope is based on the fact that our Savior lives today, who sets, represents us today, continuously. That, that's what we've received, and what God has given us in this, in this new birth is a living hope. Now, second, uh, actually verse 4 begins with a, a conjunction, an and. And, there's, so there's one other thing, and it's this, that God holds for his chosen a protected inheritance, he has for us an inheritance that, that is given to us. New birth and an inheritance. A new birth that brings us living hope and an inheritance that, that we look forward to. Verse 4 says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. When we think about inheritance, again, it, it's easy for Peter to be thinking about inheritance. What was, what was inheritance to Peter? Well, you look back into the Old Testament uh, promises were made to Abraham, right? I'm going to make you into a great nation. And along with that, he stands there with Abraham. And he says, I want you to, to look all around you. Look at, look at all this territory around you. I'm going to give this to your people. And it got tagged the name Promised Land. Remember in the Old Testament, we walk through there and we see, man, there's a land promised to them. They saw Israel walking through the wilderness, looking forward to entering into their land. But even after they received the land, there was still this talk about the inheritance. And matter of fact, it was that perspective. That perspective tends to grow as you go through the Old Testament. And you see more and more about the, uh, uh, this, this eternal inheritance to come. Matter of fact, one of the examples would be in Daniel, the very end, uh, the very last uh, uh, verse in, in Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 13 uh, Daniel has one of those visions. There's two within this vision. And, and as he's being spoken to, at the very last, he says, As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of, of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So early on, with that promise, boy, it had a focus. It had property. It had a land. But as it went on, it became something else, an, an eternal inheritance. That's Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we've never been promised land or property. It's, it's not something we look forward to as, as having a location. The location that we've been promised is that eternal kingdom. All throughout Matthew, man, that was the focus. And a kingdom has come. It's introduced through Christ. And it's going to be completed someday. And it is a kingdom that's going to outlast every nation, every other kingdom in this world. It's going to be eternal. And it speaks about it within uh, uh, Peter. And it's, uh, there, there's some, some cherished benefits about it. In, in, in that verse 4, you know, it's, it's never going to perish, spoil, or fade. That idea of never perish, it's incorruptible. You know what, I, I 
love the fact that I got my house painted here a few years. Some of you remember how bad it looked for so long. And, and finally, when I got my house painted, I had so much praise from this congregation because I finally got that house painted. It was such a, oh, you finally did it. Good job. You know what? It's, it's, it's going to peel, and I'm going to have to do it again. I hope not to be here that long. When it's sorry, I, uh, the, the paint, I hope, will last so much longer. But I know it's going to fail. Some bird's going to do something on it. You know that's going to happen. And there's going to be bad things that happen to it. Hey, have you bought a brand new car? Bill Doden is really good at taking care of his car because he notices every dent or scratch on my vehicle. I say, oh, you weren't careful. You didn't. You got to park in different places. You got to take care of that thing. I don't care. I've got dents all over that truck. And you can't keep it pristine. You can't, uh, it, it's just difficult. The things of this life, that's exactly what happens. It's, it's all corrupted. Uh, it, you know, it'll never spoil. Meaning that, that it'll, it'll never be defiled. It'll be pure. It, it'll never fade like a flower that fades. It'll never wither or, or it'll never become old. That's the inheritance that we're promised. Jesus spoke to that, Right? You remember that when he said, hey, don't, don't, uh, don't invest in the things of this world. Like in verse 19, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Remember Jesus saying that? Matthew 6, right there in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, instead, invest, invest your interest, invest everything you value in, in, in the heaven, in, in, in heaven. Where, where moth and rust won't uh, destroy, won't fade away, won't, won't be taken away or even stolen. That's where it's permanent. That's, hey, I would call that smart investing for anyone into, into investments and things. That's just smart investing. Invest in something eternal. Has anybody ever said that to you in selling insurance and other things? Anybody ever say that to you? How can they? Oh, invest in something eternal. There's no such thing for you today except through Christ and what he provides. That's eternal. That's eternal. Now, with the coming of our inheritance, uh, in verse 5, it points out there's going to be the completion of salvation. Well, salvation seems to be mixed with, you know, that new birth. But here it talks about inheritance. And, and in that inheritance, he says, with the coming of this inheritance, we're going to know we have now received the completion of our salvation. I, I find this really fascinating and important for us to hear. Because a lot of times when we're talking, we're thinking about, well, I'm saved. I'm saved. That, that's a fact that happened, right? I received Christ as my Savior. I repented of my sinfulness. I had my beginnings, and I received Jesus, right? But then it says here, in the, and Peter comes along and says, hey, the completion of your salvation is when Jesus returns at the end of time. You know, end of all things, then, then we're going to have completion. And I've talked about that before. That's when we see Jesus again. When we meet him face to face, there's going to be that completion. You know, the body of flesh is gone and that, that eternal, that, that uh, uh, the body that never could be destroyed, we're going to receive that. And we're going to know what that complete salvation is looking like. So what's all in between? What's, what, what's that in between? I mean, the beginnings of salvation, the end is, man, every day I am, I am living in salvation. 
I, I don't, I, does that change our perspectives? I, I'm living in, or I am being saved. It, it, it really is a continued process of Christ. How dependent are we on Jesus? It's active. It's working. It's not done in me. It's, it's a continue. I am being saved. We got to remember that when we come to the communion time, right? That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're thinking about Jesus. I am being saved. I received Christ and, and continue to work on me until I see him again. I think it's interesting in that same verse 5, it says, uh, let, me, let me read that for you. Uh, who through faith are shielded, that's speaking of us again, who through faith are being shielded by God's power until the coming of that, that salvation. Shielded by God. That means in that period of time while I am being saved, then they, God is shielding us. I find that valuable. That, that he shield. What, what does it mean that God is shielding us in that time? Uh, here, here's it directly out of the commentaries reading. I thought this was good and want to share it with you. But here, what is, what is God exactly doing? In that, it says, today God protects us. Not like a guard watching prisoners who, uh, who will in the end be condemned. I think that's important to say because a lot of us keep on feeling like even though we, we are living and being, uh, living in that salvation, uh, man, we still find ourselves, you know, groveling or, or, or finding ourselves again and again uh, feeling the, the burden of our sinfulness. Maybe some things that we need to let go of. And, but, but the truth is living in, our, in that forgiveness is a place that we need to learn how to, to every day accept the fact that, hey, I belong to him. I'm his child. And, and he is not this, this guard. He's actually there to protect. So know what it means to live in this salvation. Instead, it says, but like a soldier guiding and protecting people as they move through hostile territory toward the freedom of friendly lines. You know, that's, that's the life we're living in now. And it says that God has given us protection. We're, we're going to, actually, right now, let's move to that third point. Because there, there's an end result, okay? He has given us these things. And, and, and just, to, just to define where we've been is he has given us new birth into a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus, right? He's given us a new birth, the living hope. That's life today, in, in that living hope. And, and we have an inheritance that we're looking forward to, uh, something that we're looking forward to, something that, that goes beyond this life, a presence with Jesus. And in that, the end result I believe in the last few verses shows, is an inexpressible joy. Inexpressible joy. That's not something that's commanded. Oh, hey, if you're a believer, you need to be joyful. That's not something that's commanded. This is a result of what he has done for us. And if we understand what he has done for us, it brings us into a place of really rejoicing of really being thrilled with what God has. Uh, again, I'll take it back to the place what he has given to us is not something that we could put together ourselves. There's no way possible. Nor is it anything that we could earn. It is freely given. It is freely given. What's the contents of this joy? It's interesting to read through verses 6 through 9. 
What, it, what is the contents? What are the expectations of the joy that we have? Well, in verse 6, it's pretty clear that in the midst of that joy, there's going to be trials and suffering. Let, let me read for you verse 6 just to remind you. It says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have, uh, have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. That doesn't sound like a place for joy, does it? <laughs> but, but that's this present life as we're living in, in this salvation that God has given in this present day. We are living in, amongst the, the trials and difficulties of this life. He doesn't remove us from trials and difficulties. But he, again, let's go back up. He shields us. He, guard, he walks with us through those things. We have difficulties in this life. I don't have to convince you of that. In what areas? Difficulties that's coming from the out, outside towards, towards us by, by others. Difficulties because of physical uh, difficulties, sicknesses and ailments and, and accidents that happen. And it, that's all mixed in with the trials and difficulties of this life. It's coming. If, if today's a good day, yay. Troubles is coming. <laughs> Troubles is on its way. Difficulties are going to happen. But again, remember that, that that joy is present within. How is that possible? Now, now it's important to note that, that along with the suffering that's coming, that, that there's also that through that suffering, it's, there's that place where it proves our faith. It strengthens, it sharpens our faith. Like, like a, a fire refines gold, is what Peter says. It, it's that place where, you know, we're attacked or, or man, there's something, uh, troubles or trial, trials that we're facing. You know, I, I've seen the maturity grow amongst uh, several of you. At times I've heard, man, the, the frustration and the hurt and the pain and even the expression of, man, I'm angry at God to a place where as I'm going through it and saying, man, God has something special that's going to happen through this. Or, I just, or, I'm, or just the simple words, I'm going to trust God no matter what. Can you tell which one is, is a little maybe weaker in their faith, maybe new in their faith to someone who is mature? Someone who's just, man, no matter what happens, man, he is God, he is good, and there's that presence of joy that continues to work to help you get through those troubles and trials, right? The end result, again, is, is found at, at, at verse 7. Even though refined by fire, it may result, listen, listen to the last part, it may result, at, towards the end of everything, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Who's receiving the praise, or honor, and glory? Who is it that's, well, if you're thinking Jesus, you're absolutely right. He, he receives praise, honor, and glory today, right, from us. We're going to speak his name. We're going to give him praise because we know what he's done. We know, we know that without it, we have no relationship with God. So we recognize that praise. But in this, Peter is speaking to those who have remained faithful. He is speaking to those who are the chosen of God. That praise, honor, and glory is something that we then share with Jesus 
when this is all over, when this is all over and, and, and he receives us, we're included in the praise, honor, and glory. Jesus receives us and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are you looking forward to hearing that? How many of you are looking forward to hearing those words? I want to live this life well on behalf of him. I want to live this life well on behalf of him. And, 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 and then to cross into that, that, that glory, to receive that completion of salvation, and, and to see Jesus, and, and, and to give praise, honor, and glory to the one who deserves it. But then he shares it. That's, that's a little uncomfortable because, man, that humility, I know who I am. I definitely know who he is. I know who deserves that praise. But there is that time when the completion of salvation, man, whatever praise, glory, and, and, and uh, honor is given to me on that day, man, it is just going to go back. And, and even more so, all the praise, all the glory, and all, all the honor to, to God, the Father, to the Holy Spirit who sanctified, and to the Savior who spent his blood for us. Isn't this good is this, do we understand what Peter is laying out here? That, that guy who spent those three years with Jesus, who, who just had the opportunity to, to listen to those precious words and then be rebuked by him and changed by him. Isn't it, isn't it just wonderful to know and understand the gospel that we've been given? I, I want to ask you, is that joy working within you? Is that joy increasing in you as you come to know his word, as you begin to, to read and, and take each bite and, and invest in it and, and learn to live every day with that as your foundation? This is my foundation for life. This is what uh, I, I, I'm motivated by. This is what keeps me going every day is that joy, joy we find in Jesus. It's time for us to take communion Matter of fact, all, all thanks be to God. All thanks be to God. That's where Peter was going. Peter said it is in this, uh, uh, this new birth that, that we come into this living hope, a living hope, a new life in, in Christ Jesus. And, and uh, in, in that, we have that promised inheritance uh, ahead of us. And it gives us strength for every day, a living hope, a, a, and a, a joy, a joy that we experience. And guess what? I want to read this verse again. But, but our reason for hope, our reason for hope, what's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Verse, verse 8. Let, let Peter speak straight to you. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Isn't that a good message from Peter? Let's celebrate Jesus. Let's remember what he's done for us upon the cross. Jesus willingly, willingly laid down his life for us, was nailed to the cross on our behalf. Let's remember the body of Christ Let's take, partake together. 
And then that blood that was shed for us. This is the blood of the new covenant. Old covenant, they were sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifices. We're sprinkled with the precious blood of Christ. Oh, Lord, he is the one worth celebrating. Let's celebrate Jesus by partaking. And we praise you, we thank you for our time this morning, our time to come together. We praise you for this passage in, in, in 1 Peter. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. That, Lord, we, we at one time would have been the people looking at a distance to a nation who is favored, who is honored, because you chose them specifically through Abraham. But today, as we look at Peter's words, that, that he is making it clear that we're part of that chosen, that elect people, chosen by you to be, uh, to be your heirs, to, to be your people. Father, we, we praise you for the message of Christ, how Jesus came into this world, how he willingly went to the cross to die on our, in our place. We need Jesus. And we praise you for him. And we ask, Lord, that he just strengthens us throughout this day, throughout the week to come. God, we want to be your people and live in a way that's going to be honoring uh, to you. So, Lord, in every day, stretch us, grow us, help us, Father, to be your church, your people, entering into that eternal kingdom together. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.